Welcome to Ministry by Mail, a weekly sermon publication of the Church of the Lutheran Confession. Our sermon for the sixth Sunday of Pentecost is by Pastor Luke Bernthal of St. Stephen Lutheran Church in Mountain View in Hayward, California. Our theme is Find Your Identity and Purpose in Christ, based on the text of Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to your fellow redeemed. The text for our meditation and application to our daily walk of faith is taken from the Gospel of Matthew. We read from chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Jesus' words here from the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. These are the words of our Lord. Let us pray. Let the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Who am I and where am I going? Those are two of the most important questions in life. They were two of the questions that one of my high school teachers made us answer during our senior year of high school. And there are, in fact, a number of people who went to high school with me. So maybe you remember Prof. Nolting, I see some of you shaking your head, yes. Prof. Nolting in our Principles of Democracy class, asking those questions of us in the very first weeks of our senior year. Who are you and where are you going? He had a couple of other ones. I don't remember them. They must not have been important. But these were the two that, that stand out. Actually, these are the two that refer to the sermon theme, so that's why we're using those today. It's important to think of that question, especially during your high school years, during the years of adolescence, when you are really beginning to explore who you really are as an individual. We often say that people are finding themselves at this stage in life. It's unfortunately also a stage in life when many people lack any sort of direction, and begin to question just about everything, including their own identity. Who am I exactly? The interesting thing is at the very other end of the spectrum of life, as you get towards the end of your life, and you observe many older people, especially those who have deteriorating health, they begin not to question their identity so much. That's probably been figured out by them at this point. They question their purpose in life. It's the second important question. Who am I and where am I going? What is my purpose? They often ask questions like, why am I still here? Why doesn't God just take me to heaven? Failing to understand clearly who you are, however, does not end when you're 25, unfortunately. And questioning why you are here is not limited to those who are over 80 or whatever number comes to your mind when you think of someone who is older. Our enemy, Satan, is especially good at clouding our vision and does not want us to figure out who God has made us to be and what our purpose is for what he's placed us on this earth 
to do. And so as we go through our lives, we can be deceived into all kinds of thinking about our identity or our purpose. For example, we can get our identity distorted when we put too much stock in what we do. Many times we do this even in, in subconscious ways. Someone will ask you, what do you do for a living? They say, what do you do for a living? And how do we usually answer? I am a contractor. I am a teacher. I am an engineer. I am a businessman, etc." We very easily, whether it's subconsciously or not, can make work or what we do for a living our identity, or at least a very big part of our identity. When the reality is this, you are, by God's grace, through faith, a child of God. First and foremost, you're a child of God who has been led to use his or her talents in a particular field. Construction, technology, business, teaching, the arts, or whatever it is that God has led you to do. Whether it's, your for, whether it's for your career or a job or, or otherwise. In the same way, Satan also tries to distort our or confuse our sense of purpose in life. He likes to lead us to believe that our purpose in life is solely tied to our decisions and especially to the use of our possessions. Essentially, this attitude, I do what I want, or I do what I must to have what I want in order to live how I please. But that sort of approach to life ignores God's will for our lives. It ignores others, actually. And it ignores his word and his great promises to us. And it actually deprives us of great blessings and a true understanding of God's purpose for our lives. So I encourage all of us this morning to, as we all try to strive to understand who we are and why we are here, to find both our identity and our purpose in Christ. Jesus himself reminds us of our identity and our purpose in our text, and it has nothing to do with our job or our possessions. He reminds us that in him, in Christ, you are the salt of the earth, and in Christ you are the light of the world. As Christians, our identities are tied directly to Jesus Christ. It's even in the name Christian, right? The word, the name Christ is in there. The Apostle Paul put this well in Galatians. He said, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek or Gentile. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Our identity is directly tied to Jesus. And Jesus describes your identity by saying to each of us in our text that you are the salt of the earth. He goes on to say, But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. At first, that might not seem like the greatest comparison, where the salt of the earth, salt's kind of a common thing, it's very ordinary. But it is important, especially important in Jesus' day. We use it predominantly in our day to give flavor to our food. But even more so in Jesus' day, it was also used as a preservative 
to keep food from spoiling. It was extremely important. So in what sense are you and I to be the salt of the earth? How are we to be salty Christians in a good sense? Well, first of all, even as salt is a seasoning and you notice its presence or its lack of presence when you are tasting food, so also our presence as Christians or our absence as Christians should be noticed by the world around us. The world should notice that we are there. Our attitudes, our words, our actions as believers in Christ, as Christians, should be different. They're not guided by the thinking of our sinful self, our sinful nature. They're not guided or directed by the world around us or by our peers or whatever um, is on TV or on the internet that's telling us to do or believe a certain thing. But instead, they're directed by the words of our Savior Jesus. We'll look different because if we follow what Jesus says, he says we will look different. Jesus said this in John chapter 13. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Apostle Paul also says this. He says, nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. When we do those things, when we love each other as Christ loves us, as we seek the interest of others, not just our own, we will be noticed. Just like salt seasoning your meal. So the question we have to ask ourselves, that I have to ask, that you have to ask, is this. Do we make a difference in the place of our employment, in our neighborhood, within our own family? Can people tell by your words and your actions and your attitude that you are a Christian, a believer and follower of Christ? As we think about those questions, though, don't just limit yourself to uh, the do's and don'ts part of it, just the morality of it. Because there are plenty of moral people who live very good lives, and sometimes lives that put Christians to shame, that don't believe in God at all. That may not even believe that a God exists. Very law-abiding, moral people but not followers of Christ. So your key component as spiritual salt is not just your morality, not just following the Ten Commandments as best you can, but the key component is often the joy-filled blessing of knowing that God has forgiven you, that He saved you, that He loves you, that peace and that comfort that gives you an unshakable identity, that gives you stability, and peace. A joy that isn't dependent on the situation or circumstances of your life, but a joy that is based on the fact that Jesus lived, died, and rose for you. That he forgave you all your sins and made you a member of his family for all eternity. Not just to live a good life or live morally on this life, but to be transformed. Like someone who's been given a gift, an eternally precious gift, that you can't help share with others. That gift of love and forgiveness that God gave you in Christ will then be shared with others. Just like the Apostle Paul encourages us when he says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. When you and I treat others 
including our fellow Christians, with love and forgiveness, genuine love and forgiveness, and we proclaim the joy of our loving, living Savior, then we will be salt on this earth. Now, what about the second part of Jesus' words there? He speaks of the salt losing its flavor and being good for nothing but being thrown out. What's he referring to there? Well, essentially this. If we claim to be a Christian, if we claim to follow Christ, but no one can tell us apart from everyone else in this world, then something is wrong. If you and I can curse with the worst of them, party with the best of them, ignore God's commandments and do whatever we want with our bodies whenever we want, if we're bitter, unkind, unforgiving, just like many of the people of the world are, then we have, in a sense, lost our Christian flavor. And Jesus compares us to salt that's lost its taste. It can simply be dumped out on the ground and trampled and walked over. So let's not forget who we are by faith, our identity. Let's not forget the calling Jesus has given us, our purpose. We are privileged to be the salt of the earth, designated to be that by Jesus himself. Let's pray that we might have an effect on the world around us in order to lead them to Jesus. Remember the power of just a little bit of salt, not just in cooking, but in the world. In the Old Testament, God said that if there were even ten salty believers, that would have been enough to save the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah from being destroyed. Remember, your life and your prayers, even if you feel like you're just a tiny, insignificant piece of salt, your life and your prayers make a difference on this earth and in the people around you. It can well make an eternal difference in the lives of the people whose lives you season. Jesus goes on in the last verses of our text to say that we're not just the salt of the earth, but he says, in Christ you are also the light of the world. Listen again to verses 14 through 16 of our text. Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's always struck me as a very astounding verse. It's interesting but also very surprising that Jesus, who himself claimed to be and is the light of the world, calls you and me the light of the world in this verse. In what way? Well, Jesus, of course, is the Son of God, the world's Savior, so he's obviously the light of the world. Jesus said he came to be the way, the truth, and the life, and the light of life. Therefore, we have to acknowledge that he is a light in a very different sense than we are. We often use the picture of Jesus as being like the sun. He's the light producer, and we are more like the moon. We are the light reflector. He is the very light of life, the way of salvation. Yet as we reflect the light and love of Jesus, as we proclaim that good news of God's forgiveness and love found in Jesus, we bring light into the midst of a very dark world. As you know, even a little bit of light in a dark place 
can shine very powerfully and very brightly. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, listen to what Jesus is saying here. He says, you are the light of the world. Again, because Jesus has declared us to be so. The Spirit of God has made that possible for us by working faith in our hearts. Let's not put that light of faith under a basket. And unfortunately, we know exactly what that means, don't we? Because we've all done it before at times. When we have opportunities to testify to our faith, and yet we say nothing. When we have opportunities to help others, but instead we walk away or simply drive by. When we take the talents that God has given us, the abilities, the blessings he's given us, that could be used to help others or to work in the Lord's kingdom, but we just choose not to use them. Whether it's out of neglect or forgetfulness or laziness or fear, or just assuming that someone else who's better than me at it is going to do it anyway. We are putting our light under a basket. And how often don't we have to confess, Lord, forgive me, I am guilty of putting my light under a basket way too often. That's why we turn daily to Jesus for forgiveness. Martin Luther once said that the entire life of believers is to be one of repentance. In other words, an entire life of turning, that's what repentance means, turning to Jesus daily. Because we do fail to let our lights shine. Jesus knows that. We are not and never will be perfect lights in this world, not this side of heaven at least. And Jesus knows that too. It doesn't surprise him when we aren't the perfect lights that he's called us to be. However, Jesus still urges us to let our light shine for everyone. In our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our communities, and even before everyone that we come into contact in this world. Why does he still encourage us to do that even though he knows we cannot do it perfectly? Well, he answers that question for us in our text and gives us one of the great purposes that we have here in this life. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Significant. He doesn't say it's going to glorify you, but glorify God. Glorify your Father in heaven. So both your identity and your purpose are found in Christ. You and I find our identities in Jesus Christ. Only in Christ can our identity be secure, can it be certain, and unchanging. Only in Christ can our purposes be truly good in every way and eternally worthwhile. May Jesus lead each one of us to be salt and lights in this world and to find our identity and our purpose in him. Amen. And that peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. This has been a publication of the Church of the Lutheran Confessions Ministry by Mail. For more information, visit clclutheran.org. For print copies of this or other sermons, please visit lutheransermons.org.